The following content is brought to you by Mind Initiative Incorporated. The opinions expressed in the following conversation are of the hosts and do not in any way represent the opinions of Mind Initiative as a whole. Some themes in this series may be distressing or triggering for some listeners and so viewer discretion is advised. If any of the content does trigger uncomfortable feelings or cause distress, we encourage you to reach out to us via our Facebook page or seek further support from beyondblue.org or contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 for 24-7 over-the-phone support. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we all stand and we extend our respect to the elders, both past and present. Hey everyone, my name's Will Fletcher. Hi everyone, I'm Claire. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. And welcome to the Mind to Mind podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things psychology and how to stay on top of your mental health. So tonight we are going to be talking about um, unemployment, big problem in Australia, definitely um, in the past few years, definitely since COVID. And it's one that I uh, relate to a lot as well. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you out there probably will as well. So what do you think about this topic, Claire? To be honest, I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, so this is a bit of, yeah, this is an area that, yeah, I'm not very well uh, addressed in. Um, I know we do have an unemployment problem, but I've never been unemployed for a really long period of time. So I haven't really felt the impact of, you know, a significant period of unemployment for me, unemployment does hit home for me in a lot of ways because as of now, I've only held one paid job in my life and that was um, from late 2021 to late 2022 working at a cafe in the outskirts of Brisbane. And all the stuff that led up to getting that job was really crazy because throughout, um, as soon as I um, I graduated from school in 2014, I was studying, studying, studying film because I was very interested in film and I wanted and I wanted to take it further to pursue it as a career. So I studied film at TAFE in 2014, finished that in 2016. Then I moved on to JMT Academy in Brisbane where I studied there doing a bachelor until 2018. And once I graduated, I'm saying, oh, cool, I have all the all, all, education now so i'll just start looking for jobs in based um based around filmmaking in brisbane and hopefully i will find something and um i really didn't uh there was a lot of basically going to 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 job um employment agencies and them helping me um like contact companies and sending them resumes but again after after time after time after time they would either be rejected or not even looked over i wouldn't even get like response from many of the uh the places that i went to and um all and all these applications and it got frustrating after a while because you know i was um passionate um about filmmaking and passionate of getting a foot and door um in in the industry but anyway um a couple of years later i did finally land a job at a cafe um as a kitchen hand and cleaner and I mean, it, it was a fine enough job and I had a nice boss and um, it did pay pretty well. But after a year, I just had to say, look, I, I can't really do this anymore. It's not it's not really my dream goal and I'm not really that passionate about 
cleaning um, utensils and, and cups and plates. And I'm saying, I appreciate working with you for, for a year and I've enjoyed my time here, but I, I really got to move on. Do you think that the sorry? Do you think that the creative industries being underdeveloped in Australia is impacting your ability in film to have employment? I guess it is because, like, I, I never really think to myself that the the, the filmmaking industry is un, is is un, um underdeveloped in Australia. I always thought it was quite solid and it was quite quite thriving. Of course, it's not like America, but like. We do have some really good companies down here that I thought I could, I would have been able to apply for much easier and get a stable job. So you mentioned you were frustrated during that process before, like when you were going to the job search places and they were getting you to call up and send out your resume and everything like that. Do you think that they actually gave you tools and strategies to hunt for jobs, but to also have patience to try to find a job? Yeah, they do give me that. And they were um, very nice people and they were experienced, but there just seemed to be this disconnect of actually me getting the work. And I often thought to myself, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a problem with me. Maybe there's something about my resumes or just the way I'm, I'm presenting myself that is not really getting people to really go any further with what I was sending them and I was just trying to figure out what what the root cause was and what was the discrepancy here and and, and the problem because my job ag- agencies were really trying quite hard to getting me to succeed and, and, um, and get what I wanted but as I said it's just frustrating that I can't really seem to figure out why all this time has passed and even with me graduating from a pretty um, prestigious and very um, well-received uh, film school that that helped me with professional development and trying to find a job in the film industry and have all this kind of just not work for me. Do you think it's also, I think it's kind of what we talked about the other week where you need the experience, but how do you get the experience to get the yeah. job? When you, you know what I mean? It's like this, like, chicken and the egg almost situation exactly, like yeah. how do you how do you get the experience and um is there yeah. like any do you ever do you look uh, often online for you know voluntary work so you can just build up your resume a little bit i actually do, do have to instructed um I, i've done vol- quite a bit of voluntary work I, i've been fortunate enough to um have a friend that um that i met in my final term of film school, he was also trying to start his own film company. And even though he's not really financially stable enough to pay me, he has given me mm-hmm. um, a lot of good voluntary experience in a lot of abundance. And it's felt more personal to me because it, it, it's like trying to, to help build up a friend's business, you know, apart from, yeah. um, from like a nine-to-five job. Um, even in the creative industries, but as I said, it, it's it, it's very it's a lot more you know bare bones and a lot more it's very time consuming because um I have been on a couple of his productions, but it there's a very homemade quality about it, and it does take a lot, a lot of time to find actors and get the funds to even put a uh, just to get actors to to film something that he's written down in one of his scripts. 
And so, yeah, I, I have found that to be very good experience, but still it, it's not exactly, you know, a paid, stable, financially stable job. And of course he can't provide that for me because he himself also has basically given up looking for employment as well. And I, I haven't gone to that point yet. He is much older than I am, but I, I kind of do fear that if this paid employment stuff isn't going to work for me, that I might end up thinking like him, just, you know, being completely done with it. What make, what stops you from working in other industries outside of film while you look for a job in film, like say doing something for three or six months or a year like you did before? Yeah, I have also looked for finding work um, in other fields. In 2019, I did a, uh, a retail course with Your Town. They also helped me get ready to um, work in retail and that after I finished that course, that really didn't really lead to anything really. I mean, as I said, I've got the experience, but for some reason this experience is not getting me the work and I have no idea how me graduating with a bachelor's degree from, from a film school is still not enough to, you know, get me through. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Can you, can you talk to me? So you worked for a year in a cafe, right? You were earning mm-hmm. money and everything else, but you said, sorry, guys, this isn't what I really want to do. Can you tell me in, about the mindset of the passion? You know, you, you're passionate about film school work and everything else. How does that passion come out when you're working for a job that you don't like and how does that affect your mental health when you're going to work every single day doing something that you're not exactly enjoying? Well, I did stick with it for one year. So I, I didn't like hate the job. I mean, like the boss was very, was, was very friendly. The work colleagues were very friendly. It was a nice cafe, but after a year, it just, the idea that I had is that I said, uh, I don't want doing this like becoming like my like some sort of like long term thing because I know deep down this is not the career I was I was aiming for you know studying for for about f- four years at a you didn't want your dream to die yeah pretty much so quitting then without something else going on what what was your thought process there like well that wasn't the only thing actually i did get in a unintentionally get in a little bit of a scuffle with uh, my boss in the couple of months leading up to my resignation i won't go into um really any major details but like she took a, a message that i sent kind of the other uh, wrong way and she didn't really get angry at me, but she kind of just ignored me for a while and saying, okay, I just won't put you on the roster for the next couple of weeks. And it turned into about a month. And I'm thinking, I am, am not getting any any working hours. And I just said, if this is going to go on for any longer, I might as well just, you know, say, I might as well just look somewhere else. So it became so, an unhealthy environment, essentially. Yeah. She didn't fire me, but she kind of put me on hold for a while to, to, to the point where I kind of just, you know, withdrew from the job myself. And, I, and, and like, I, I, 
I like rung her up. I, I like gave her a message. I'm saying, look, if, if this is going to keep on going, then I, I can't wait here like any longer. I feel like this is the time for me to to leave. It kind of felt like some sort of like almost like something was trying to tell me that this was this was the time, you know. Mm. And and also she has she has offered to me that um if I really want to 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 go back there and 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 start working again, she will let me back in with like open arms. And that's always been on the back of my mind. Mm. But you know, it's kind of like weighing up, do I want to get back into a stable financial job that I know I can do pretty well on uh, apart from looking out for something else that's going to challenge me more creatively and probably make me feel more f- fulfilled about myself for doing. So what are some of the tools and strategies that you're using to manage this period of not working? What are some of the tools and strategies that you're using to manage not working at the moment? Like you've got a lot of time on your hands. Um, yes. Are you like being film school and stuff like that? I, I take it location would be very important. Like people don't film everywhere. So you've got to be near, like I'd say, movie world or some sort of studio or something like that would be something that you're looking for. Do you, is there job search places that deal just in, in film stuff or? How do you reckon you manage that? Because going back to your job-seeking days, it doesn't sound like they were putting you in contact with people that knew the film industry. I haven't really looked for many filmmaking jobs um, for a little while now. I kind of spent all of my free time working on my on my YouTube channel and just making content that I felt passionate about making. So like reviews, vlogs, um, just things that took my interest so I felt that was creatively f- fulfilling me for a little while, but um, I kind of took a break from that recently because I, I grew a bit exhausted just constantly editing all the time on a channel that doesn't really get seen by by anyone. But I guess I guess I probably should start maybe looking for um into like other websites that will get me a job that's more just based around filmmaking um, because from from using Seek and Jura and indeed over the past four or five years, it hasn't really worked for me. I did almost get something at the start of 2020 at a, at a film, at a video production company um, in South Brisbane and I was just about to get it, but then COVID hit and that job was also just, you know, taken away from me because their business actually went bust not long after the uh the start of the pandemic so have you tried have you tried i have have you tried linkedin do you have a linkedin i do i do have a linkedin account and i do upload on it every now and then and but as in like looking in the job search have you looked in the job search I don't think I have um, looked in that job search in, in particular. There's just so much more work on LinkedIn than there is on Seek and Indeed now. And oh. I just had no luck with Seek. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. I'm now in like a creative job. Obviously, it's nothing to do with film. But I feel like on Seek and Indeed, it's good for very straightforward kind of in-the-box sort of roles, like 
applying to be a nurse, applying to be like an office assistant or something. But mm-hmm. now we're kind of gearing more towards LinkedIn. And I think it is hard in creative industries because a lot of people do get jobs because of, they recommend a friend of a friend or something like that. It's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's who you know, but I think it's like a lot of referrals. Mm-hmm. So it's, I can see why it would be challenging in your situation because, yeah, it's, I can't imagine the straightforward application process would be as easy with something like film mm. as, say, a regular job. If we, if we take is this as a... Is that the word to put it? I was going to say, if we take this as a more generic kind of term for employment and stuff, though, Claire, if I'm going to ask you, for someone that's... that's... We're talking about film. Yeah. <laughs> we're very we're very niching here and the topic yeah. is on unemployment but if we're, we're yeah. talking about someone trying to follow their passion um and feeling that effect of rejection or not being able to find a job and frustration and all of that kind of stuff and they come to you and they say look my mental health is kind of deteriorating what would you what would you do what would you say how would you try to manage that situation with that person i'm i'm I'm, feel like i'm gonna filter myself slightly (laughs) for what i would honestly tell someone if they were trying to look for a job i'll give the edited version i think number one like in a way that i can relate is like i'm doing about seven years of uni so for my ideal job is seven years away from the time i started i have to work really hard in the meantime so i guess in a way and plus seven years plus like provisional work. So I would say if it comes to your dream job, then part of you does have to have a really long-term mindset and just try to get anything you can. But we did speak about this earlier. Even getting any job now is hard. And if you don't have the skills to write an absolutely amazing resume and fluff on in your resume about all, you know, everything and make it just sound amazing and have all these references and everything, then it's really hard to get a job. And a lot of the jobs that people are applying for are barely enough for them to survive. Yeah. This comes back to what we talked about before is how do you solve the issue? You know, and we talked about, I think we, when we talk about homelessness and I guess um, from what I'm asking you though is you can't solve the issue, right? You yeah. have to, you can't solve it for them. So, how can you support that person with a problem that you can't solve? This isn't one of those situations where you want to emotionally nurse someone's feelings. I think it's a situation where actions, like I believe that actions build confidence, even if you know that might not be something that we always that we like talk about in psychology. I think the best way to to get somewhere is to keep taking action. I think if someone's depressed about not having a job, they should just continue going at it because there's no other way you're going to get out of the situation. Like ruminate for half an hour, get started, and then get up and just keep trying because that's the only way. And it's hard because I've watched it happen to my own mom. Like I've watched my mom have many uh, I, won't, I won't even say, yeah, she's had she's had many mental breakdowns over not having a job. And I also think my mom has some diagnosed things. So I've seen what that does to people. And it's not like, 
my parents aren't well off, but it's not like she's desperate for the money. It's more just she needs it for her own confidence. So I can't imagine what it'd be like for someone who desperately needs the money. So, but look, she just kept trying and now she's doing voluntary work, but she did everything she could with the tools that she has. So yeah, that's the advice I would give is I don't think someone should be seeking therapy over being unemployed. I think they should just keep going. <laughs> like I'll see here, like that, I don't know. That might not be the best answer. <laughs> that's my half awake answer. What would you say to someone? That's my long winded, complicated answer. I would probably start by asking them about what the strong feelings are. Um, so, you know, describe what's going on. If there's strong feelings of rejection, if they're not worthy, all of that kind of stuff. And I would try to get them to reframe on the positive aspects of what they're doing. Like, as you mentioned before, mm. like having a great resume or having great references or something like that. And I try to get them to reframe on those good things and build on those strengths. Um, and especially if the person is is feeling um, particularly deflated, I would get them to kind of name their strengths and then go, okay, let's have a look at your resume or something like that. And does your resume actually talk to your strengths or is it kind of really flat or mention weaknesses? Can we get rid of that kind of stuff? That's how I would do it. I try to build that person up so that way they are aware of their strengths and they can put their bush best foot forward. That would be my my response. For sure. Look, a really a, a, a weird angle to take. My friend has a dog and her and her sister were looking for a rental. And she she just is an honest person. She wanted to be honest about her dog. By the way, her dog is basically a cat. It's tiny. And so she made this beautiful, she's quite creative. She made this beautiful page you know, meet me, my sister, I'm a makeup artist, my sister's a paramedic, it's a little bit about us, this is our little dog and a photo of her dog. And then that eventually connected to someone, the owner of the house was like, we have, you know, a pug as well. That's why we chose you out of everyone. And like, she had a very good rental for a while that was quite affordable in the best location. So it was obviously quite a competitive place. So her dog actually got her the place. And I know we're talking about a rental and not a job, but I think now you have to have an attractive, depending on what industry you're in, but, you know, even something like with Will, with film, having an attractive resume, like designing the resume well or paying someone on Upwork $20 to do it for you. And there's ways that you can think about it. Like if there's a pile of resumes and someone's sitting there, some HR assistant sitting there going through 50 resumes, if one of them looks good, they're going to want to read it, you know? Like... That's, I know it's not going to get you, it might not get you the job, but it might get you shortlisted for an, inter, like for an interview or in the pile. So that would be my practical tip. It gets you the interest to get the red. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and that's what a lot of people say that now they have systems to like a lot of the resumes just don't even get read. So. So if we think about you, Will, and we were going mm -hmm. to talk about your resume, do your strengths feature on your resume? Yeah, they do. I mean, like, um, I basically like like put down like what I'm good at doing, and I do put down previous experience, um, most from um this this work that I do with my friend from film school, and 
I basically just try and write down, you know, all all the things that I know that I'm good at doing and like things that I've been doing for a while. I can definitely tell that with the commitment you have to your YouTube that um once you do find a job that you're passionate about, you will stick at it, you know, because you, like you said, you have that focus. When you are interested in something, you will stick at it. And that's very rare. That's one of mine. (laughs) Yeah, what were you going to ask? So when Will is saying, I'm really good at focusing on a task as a strength, what are you actually hearing and what are you interpreting from that? Exactly that. Like he has tunnel, he has tunnel focus. He has tunnel vision. He's just on the thing and it's the so way if that. Mm-hmm. If you're his boss and you're you're reading over this resume and you can you've got this person says their greatest strength is to be able to focus on a task. Does that come across as a as a great thing in a workplace? Of course, yeah. I would say if if I was in his position, I would say that. I enjoy the social environment of working in a team. However, due to my strongest asset being my focus, I'm really great at working independently as I minimally get distracted in in a more complex way of that, I would say. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. How does that sound, Will? Are you back with us? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds really good. On my resume, Will, I have soft skills. So things like that, like things that aren't, oh, I did this course, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you can have that in your resume. Yeah. Yeah. Ability to communicate with multiple different dynamics, ability to interpret business requirements and talk to them in layman's terms or have great have a great rapport with customers um always always um, make sure they're smiling when they leave the office something like that yeah i mean that's 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 me one of the things that i'll say when i when i heard you say the ability to focus on a task um came across to me is you're not approachable And that's, you would have to reword that in a way to say, hey, um, I am actually approachable. It's just when I'm working, um, I'm looking at that particular uh, task that I've got um, and I'm really working hard at it. And that's what Claire said was beautiful because she said, I'm really good in the office. Um, I'm social and everything else, but my greatest, greatest strength is focusing on getting the work done. And, you know, looking at those different, I guess, soft skills, but also when I said that's your, that you said that was your one strength, how do you connect that in through to all of your other strengths to tell a story about you? Let's see. Well, I'm not too sure because like, that's not like my only strength. I am... I am um, getting um, getting better at like communication as well, and you know, like approaching colleagues and stuff like that. And I felt like I was getting better at that when I was doing that cafe job. But, but like, I guess my uh, my my focus ability could tie into you know being able to you know be be more patient with you know with clients and 
and uh, and uh, you know other employees, colleagues, workmates, stuff like that. But you know what I've I think, though, so. your your ability to focus should be the most in demand skill because you can't have an office or any environment where everyone is just this massive people person who's super bubbly and chatty. You can't, you will not function if everybody is like that. You need hyper-focused people. That's why we have Myers-Briggs. That's why a lot of employees make their staff do that. Like as they onboard them because they want to see their personality type and they want to see how they can fit them into the workplace because you need those super focused people that aren't off just chatting and having 10 coffees a day. Obviously, you know, it's an office job, but say you were to get one, you know, but we're so focused on this being this people person. But it's like, if unless you're in like sales or something where you've constantly got to communicate with people, there are a lot of jobs. You really don't need to be this super bubbly people person. Like if you're, you know, like in film, like that might not be as necessary. Like obviously being a person is advantageous in like any job, but yeah, when you think about it in the practical sense, if everyone was this super big social butterfly, uh, yeah, workplaces would not would not work unless you're, I don't know, an entertainer or something mm-hmm. or like certain professions yeah. where you like sales or something where yeah. you're actually chatting to people. And I mean, like, uh, I am diagnosed with autistic, so it does, you know, it's pretty obvious. I mean, like, I'm, I've never been the most naturally social person from the start, but I have gotten better over the years. And, you know, I can, I can thank Code Blue for autism for that too, you know, um, building me up socially. But, like, it, it's taken time for me to get better at that. It's It wasn't something I was naturally gifted with, you know. My being- observation with people with ASD having family members with it is that they might not be as great at communicating socially, but they like being social. So they do enjoy the, I'm not, I don't want to like generalize here and stereotype. That's okay. I'm an introvert and I'm chatty and I don't like to be around people much and no one can understand that. Whereas I found with a lot of autistic people, they might not always be carrying the conversation, but they like to be there. Like they like to feel the energy of people around them and that is how they work well in a team because they like to be a part of that environment i don't know if that connects with you or not well yeah yeah i mean like ever since i was a kid i always wanted to be around people be around family members it wasn't like some shutting myself off from like other people i liked being around people and being in the conversation but you know sometimes navigating that conversation was difficult you know Mm. yeah yeah. But I've gotten better. So going back to your resume, can you tell me what your resume is out there to do? What's its purpose? It's basically to grab the attention of the person that you're applying for and basically selling yourself of what of what you're good at and showing that you're compatible for this job. So how, do you, how do you meet those requirements? How do you sell yourself? and meet the requirements for the job? Well, um, for one thing, you've got to write and make a very, you know, good-looking resume that's going to, you know, present yourself in a really good-looking way. And But on, on top of that, you've got to also have a successful 
job interview and actually prove that you can do these things when you actually get, you know, employed. Okay. Yeah. Was that the answer you were looking for? No, I just wanted to hear what the purpose of your resume was. My The purpose of my resume isn't to sell myself. It's mm -hmm. to tell a story about um, who I am and what I can actually deliver for the company. So mm -hmm. close to what you were saying, um, mm -hmm. but probably a little bit different. Okay. Yeah, right. and I think a cover letter is always important. Having a cover letter that even speaks in specifics about what from the job description, what you would be doing in all those dot points that, and, and it's time consuming. But if mm -hmm. it's like, we, these are the things you'll be doing roughly, you're addressing those points in your cover letter and saying what, what skills you have. Um, or even in my cover letters, I've said, um, like if they want something, I'll be like, I have basic skills in that area. Um, but I'm like willing to advance and do further training in order to like meet. So I'll, I'll admit where I'm like falling short, but I'll show my initiative of where I would, um, what I would do to like meet their expectation. I guess one thing um, that I've really been thinking about that maybe is, is a problem of me finding employment is that for the longest time, I never completely knew the difference between what is a resume and what is a CV. Because my recovery coach now is is now um, getting me to build up my CV and and you know so it's not not resume anymore it's now CV but they they both seem so similar to one another I, I still don't completely understand what the difference is. It's the same thing. It's just just complicated. It's just like it's a short for like some fancy word CV. Okay. It's, so some it's, French word. it's some French word that's been shortened down to make yeah, the yeah. word resume fancy. So, yeah, because I was yeah. thinking maybe maybe the reason I'm not getting the job is I sent my CV and they want my resume, or I sent my resume but they, but they want my CV, or with or without a cover letter. You know, it's like, no. like the, job agent, the job agency should have explained that to you. Yeah. But, Hopefully they're a decent agency that are trying to help you out. Yeah. That's another thing. He could be just interpreting that a CV is your whole work history, whereas yeah. a resume what might be what you write with the individual details needed for that particular job. The other mm -hmm. side of applying for a job is you don't want to put a whole lot of information in there that's not relevant. It's yeah. just wasting the person's time. So if you've got... 12 years of dog walking and you're going for a film school kind of job you don't want that 12 years of dog walking in there they're going to look at that and go why is that relevant yeah. but the problem with that is if you're in your 20s like we are and i've been working since i was like 14 but a lot of my friends have only been working since i was like 19 20 some of them even mm -hmm. older and say so they've they've worked in i mean they've got a degree in something There'll be nothing on their resume if they don't put a job that wasn't related. Like, I think it depends on the age of the person because if you have been dog walking, you could just say that dog walking has taught me how to be organized, how to be reliable. You could make a, sh it could be a shorter thing. It'll be a shorter paragraph than say, if you were applying for another a, a job as a veterinary assistant and you'd make a longer blurb, but I would still put that there because you might have only had one or two jobs like Will 
and yeah. you can't yeah. find nothing on your resume or just a just a degree like you need to fill it up a little bit what you said there was was correct because you said these are the relevant skills that apply from this particular job but if you just put i've been dog walking and there's no no attachment there's no uh context of why that's relevant then it becomes kind of it just it's superfluous information if i said that right <laughs> i have no idea what that word means i have Useless no idea information yeah. i'm the worst i ask my cousin all the time who's a lawyer what does this word mean yeah. she's like means this i'm like I kind of think, I mean, it sounds fancy, but in reality, it's pretty empty. Yeah, it's just like if you, like you imagine it, Will, when you've got a recruiter that's reading through. Last I heard, um, recruiters get around 300 resumes per job. So if you've got to read through 300 resumes and each of them has extra information in there that's not required for the job, then that's a lot of extra reading and a lot of head scratching of going, how does this apply? Who's actually the best person? Um, because that's why I love a, LinkedIn because it tells you how many jobs ever, how many applications they've received. I really so need I, to start. Hmm? I need I need to start using it more in depth. I basically just use it to like leave comments on people that I know, saying, "Oh, congratulations for getting your job." Instead of, you know, uh, I kind of use it at very very surface level. Like Sorry. if there's a job that's had 400 applications and my skill set isn't really specific to it, I'm not even going to bother. But if it's had like 15 applications and I could kind of get away with doing it, then I'll apply for it. Cause I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I'll learn on the job, but it's just good that you can see that number uh -huh. because yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So what happens when you're someone like, as you said, a person starting out and you see that there's 400 people applied for it and they all have these skills and everything else, what do you do when you're feeling disheartened? Um, that's where having a pretty resume helps. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like, look, it is really, like I said, it, I, I empathise and I was there in that position and and I wanted to, I'm kind of glad I didn't get a full-time job now because I have other work and uni and I don't know how I even really survive uh, mentally. Um, I don't know how Ezekiel's going to get a full-time job plus, yeah, running a business. I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, it is tough. I don't know. I don't know. Do you apply when there's hundreds of people that have applied for it and you're just thinking, and they are such for such specific experience. Uh -huh. Like even admin job must have like three years of building and construction knowledge. And it's like, I'm going to be a receptionist to just teach me some basic things. You know what I mean? Like, why do I yeah. need, why like, or like, say you're going for a film job and they're like, must have like specific experience with these types of films. And you're like, it's like it's like I just want a job. I will learn how to do it on the job. Yeah, I really don't like to think that a lot of these people who are just um you know reading these these resumes are just you know just like read just flicking through them so fast and just throwing them away instead of giving everyone a chance. But you know, it's only one job, so you have to find the right person. But I, yeah. I do think that that the way people um look for employees i do think feel like that does need to be fixed in like a lot of ways because 
either it's a problem with me or it's a problem with the, the employer, but there's no problem with you. It is really hard to get a job. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to get a job. It is nothing to do with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It is hard to get a job. And it is hard to get a job in the desired industries that we want without ridiculous amounts of experience because we live in a competitive capitalist society. It just is how it is. Like it's it's hard. Yeah. But I'll keep trying anyway. Yes, you will keep trying. Yep. And you will get there. Okay. Something is going to come up. I have faith in you. To recap all of that, keep trying, have a pretty resume, um, (laughs) make sure your resume is communicating your strengths and telling a story about you. Um, If the job history that you have doesn't quite match what the job that you're applying for is, Make sure that you're putting information in there about how those how those um, responsibilities match the new job that you're going for. Um, so that way that people can connect those those different um, different abilities that you've different different abilities that you've had. Um, and yeah, make sure that when you are feeling disheartened, um, you're reaching out to good people that are going to help you to continue and not leave you disheartened. Anything else, Will? My last advice actually yeah. would be go on, since Will loves YouTube, go on YouTube. Tips of like applying for jobs, yeah. applying for job hacks, or even LinkedIn. I think there's some like free resources on there. Yeah, it's, it's a great resource. Absolutely. As always, uh, we hope that this episode has um, put your mind in a better place. And as always, if this uh, episode has raised any uh, um, any 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 distress, any um, tr- tr- triggering feelings, just uh, remember that uh, you can call Lifeline on uh, thirteen or fourteen. They're only one call away. But anyway, um, that's me for the night. So um, thanks for listening. Bye. All. Bye, everyone.